This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by the Barbecue Institute. Take your barbecue to the next level with the Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food science and smoking secrets to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Visit BBQInstitute.com and register for classes today. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you'll really, really love. Grilling with pellets. Green Mountain Pellet Grills are the top of the line, best of the best, but not the highest in price. And be sure to check out all of their flavor rubs, sauces, and pellets for the Green Mountain Grill all on their website. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to peruse the entire product's portfolio. And buy Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets, two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that perfect combination of BTU burn and sweet succulent smoke you're looking to get all over your meat. A wide variety of flavors, so please go to the website to check it out and get yours today. Barbecuers Delight, which is bbqrsdelight.com. This is Bobby. And this is Jennifer. And we're from Cleveland, Ohio. And you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. The show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. 
you want to jump in on the show, you're more than welcome to do it. I can give you two ways of communication. You can call in toll-free, 877-448-0433. You can also go ahead and email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. It's a jam-packed one tonight. Get in the chat room early. This could lock out at some point. Uh, Big-name guests on the show. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the newsletter that comes out each and every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, go to the Barbecue Central Radio Network's homepage, thebbqcentralshow.com, and go ahead and sign up. Very easy to do. Painless. You provide a name and an email address. I think that's what's required. And you don't have to give anything else after that. It might just be, might just be an email address so you have something to you know so I can send it to you, and then you'll have a heads up on what's happening. If you didn't get it, A, head over there, sign up. Secondarily, here's what's happening on the show tonight, coming up in about 12 minutes or so from now. A guy who is a lightning, no pun intended, a lightning rod (laughs) of anything when it comes to barbecue and grilling. Pitmaster of Pellet Envy, Rod Gray, will be joining me. It's been a number of months since he has been on the show so always good to catch up with Rod, kind of get uh, his feel, his take on what the pulse of the barbecue and grilling industry is, especially the competition side, and some other things to talk about as well. So we're looking about two segments to stretch with Rod. So if you're looking into the chat room tonight and you want to fire off a question, if it kind of fits in, I'll definitely do my best to work that in. Uh, so Rod Gray coming up in about uh, 12, 13 minutes from now. Second hour. We're going to be joined by monthly contributor, guest, and overall crowd favorite of the show, uh, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Now, maybe you didn't know, AmazingRibs.com is the most popular, heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website, not only in the country, but on the face of the earth. There are none that are bigger. There are none that more people seek out. And the meathead, always gracious enough to lend time to the show. And we got a number of issues to talk about tonight. Just for heads up, in case you want to devise some of your own questions, submit them through email. You're more than welcome to do that. Uh, one, we're going to be talking kind of like tying up the bow, putting a nice bow on the end of the Barbecue Pitmasters Season 3. Uh, we'll probably talk about how that was nicely picked up prior to the season ending, which is always nice because that's never happened before in that particular show's existence as of yet in any iteration by by the way also we'll be talking a little bit about some big myths that mr blonder or dr blonder and meathead have been talking about and then putting science behind is that myth legitimate is that myth able to be debunked and those will be items such as a beer can or as i call it ass can chicken and what the deal with that is, also, if you're looking, you're not cooking, and uh, there was another item that I can't remember right off the top of my head. So, Meathead will be joining us for the second hour. Fabulous. A jam-packed show already. Rod Gray first, Meathead second. Your phone calls and emails, which can be siphoned off to 877-448-0433 or greg at com. Only one Survey Tuesday question. And I guess this is more for the competitors as well, and I know this also comes from a side of people that might attend a competition foot traffic-wise. What do you do with all that leftover food that you cook at the competition? People want to know about that. Where do the three briskets go that you don't turn in and the four racks of ribs? 
and the chicken and the pork butt. Where does all the leftover food go when you're done with your barbecue competition? Can't vend it in a lot of places. So I'll be interested to hear what that's about. Matt Fish saying uh, they give it away or they throw it away. Rooftop sells it. A lot of people can't sell it. That's the issue. Quick update on your KCBS Team of the Year standings as of uh, the end of this past weekend, which was the 15th. Tippy Canoe still atop. True Bud in second. Little Pigtown in fourth. Pigskin Barbecue uh, for, uh, fourth. I'm sorry, Little Pigtown's third. And Big T's Q Crew uh, still in fifth place. I got an email from Dave Lopes, a loyal listener to the show out of Des Moines, Iowa. He he emailed me and wanted to know, do I like my pellet cooker or do I like my Weber Smoky Mountain better and why? So I thought, thought no better way to round out this very first segment of the show than to kind of give him my answer verbally here. Because I could write on it and write on it. And, and really there's no easy answer. I grew up, grew up. When I started barbecue, it was on the 18-and-a-half-inch, tried-and-true, best QPR per cooker out there, Weber Smoky Mountain. That's how I broke into the biz, if you will. That's what I cut my teeth on. And then I liked it so much, I got another one. It was a gift, but I got another one. And then, you know, I got a stick burner, and uh, I got a Bubba keg, and uh, now I have that Gorilla Pellet cooker. And, And the bottom line is this. Which one do I like better? The one I like better is the one I use more often. And right now, that's the Gorilla. And I like cooking with pellets. I like the convenience of being able to fire it up uh, using an all-wood fuel source to impart some flavor that I wouldn't normally be getting on at least my gasser. But having that option to do kind of a, a a hotter smoke... You know, out of, I guess, traditional non-barbecue temperatures, 375 or so, and get a different flavor profile than I would with my gas grill. Um, not so much the because I have a kettle grill, and I also have, you know, that Bubba Keg, like I said, so I could add wood to that and, and get wood flavor. But I'm telling you, man, that freaking Gorilla Cooker is just so easy. And, and people would murder me. If this show took place 10 years, well, you know, there wouldn't be anywhere near the technology. But, you know, 15 and 20 years ago, if you had a close cooker or you had a gator pit or a Bates or, or whatever offset or horizon, man, that was like Cadillac. And it still is Cadillac to a lot of people. But it is not... It's just not the same lifestyle that you're living 20 years ago. It's not a lot of single-income households anymore. There's a lot of dual-income or more-income households. Both parents are working. You don't have time to tend the fire uh, maybe more than once a week, uh, and that would be on a weekend. So having that Gorilla Cooker allows me to do or allows me to experience a couple different items that I guess I wouldn't normally. So Now, it is a little bit bigger in capacity, and there is a little bit more, of, I guess, of a wow factor. I don't dislike my Weber Smoky Mountains at all, which is why they're sitting at the side of my house in case I want to use them. But can you, if for people to sit there and go, I'm lazy because I would use a pellet cooker versus a Weber Smoky Mountain versus Stickbird. Trust me, when Weber Smoky Mountains came out, I can only imagine the guffawing and the talk behind the back that people did 
when people were firing up Weber Smoky Mountain. Oh, you don't have to feed that thing for hours on end. Just like the people that use stick burners and Weber Smoky Mountains now or anything that doesn't have an automatic pit temperature control device out on or, or whatever go, well, you just plug that pellet cooker in and set it to a temperature. There's no fire management, which is what I talked to Jason Baker about. Look, for me, the one I like the best is a gorilla right now. Could change. Could change next week. Who knows? But I like the convenience. I like the flavor profiles. And I like the ability to kind of change from smoke to grill on the same unit, which you can do, I know, with the Bubba Keg or, or, or Big Green Egg. I just don't have those. It's the $1,500 price tag that are it's going to scare a lot of people. They don't have that kind of liquid cash to go out and spend on a grill of cooker. I understand that. So for now, Dave, and I hope I'm answering your question in the most long-winded way possible, I love my Weber Smoky Mountains. I would always suggest that people at least start with those uh, if they can't afford a higher-end offset, if you're looking into offsets. But, man, I, I love I love that grill of cooker for the convenience uh, for the ability to to get that smoke flavor on there all the time. And, you know, it's not overpowering. On top of all that, I am not. I know I'm not going to oversmoke, to say the least. So, Dave, hope that answers your question. Uh, coming up, we'll have uh, Rod Gray here for the next couple segments, so stand by for that. Uh, gang, let me tell you quickly about Tasty Lake's Barbecue Supply. Fred Bernardo, the gang over there at Tasty Lake's, Unsavory businesses and creeping marauders are at every turn on the Internet. I know we can all agree on it, but sometimes you are looking for a barbecue or grilling item that just isn't stocked anywhere in your hometown or the next town over. Your options are now limited, right? You are now forced to go online to buy that item, or you're going to have to go without it because you don't want to go online. The Internet grip sets in. The hands start to sweat. The neck tightens. You've been screwed on the Internet before on purchases, and you don't want it to happen again. This is your hard-earned money for crying out loud. You want to be sure that who you're spending it with, feel confident about, that they're reputable, they're honest and fair. And that's where the good news comes in, folks. Fred Bernardo and the gang over at Tasty Licks Barbecue relieve you of all that internet buying stress. Tasty Licks has one of the most complete inventories on the barbecue and grilling items anywhere on the face of the earth. All the items that you see on the website are in stock. They're ready to ship to you directly. Now, are there other places on the internet that you might find something cheaper, perhaps? But are you 100% confident that you are actually going to get the item that you buy? How long is it going to take to get to you? All great questions that, unfortunately, no one can answer with 100% assurity. That's why when you buy from Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, the items are in the store. They ship to you promptly. Everything is in the store priced fairly. Hell, if you want to talk to Fred, work out an extra special deal. He's a businessman. I'm sure he's not going to turn you down, or at least he'll hear your pitch. So give him a call as well. Tasty Licks carries grills, smokers, Ceramic cookers, electric cookers, various charcoal types, wood chunks, chips, cookbooks, accessories. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. And on top of all of that, Fred carries many of the other show sponsors in his store as well. So you're almost doing a two-for-one, shopping at a sponsor and buying sponsors' products. It's the best of both worlds. And don't forget, Fred Bernardo makes his own line of rubs and sauces as well, that Tasty Licks line of rubs and sauces. They're absolutely fantastic. Be sure to try those. So do this. Head on over to TastyLicksBBQ.com. And then, gang, let that confidence exude from you as you make your purchases online. And then enjoy your items upon delivery. Don't forget that Fred and the gang are there to help you after the sale as well. Again, the website, TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's TastyLicksBBQ.com. Watch for Fred on the competition circuit as well. Really having his come up comeuppance this year. 
TastyLicksBBQ.com. When we come back, Rod Gray from Pellet Envy joins me. Stick around for that. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, coming up on uh, 14 past the hour, 877-448-0433. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with me. My first guest tonight, one of the most popular and polarizing pitmasters on the circuit. It's been a little while since he has checked in, so I figured time to play catch up, see what's happening in the world of pellet envy. So we go ahead and race over to the hotline and pull up a longtime friend of the show, Rod Gray. Rod, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Greg. How are you, buddy? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Rod. I always appreciate you uh, taking time for the show. I know you're very busy. And a lot of different points and topics that we're going to be covering here tonight. So fasten the seatbelt, if you will, as we uh, bowl through these over the next two segments. Uh, first and foremost, uh, everybody wants to know what you're up to. Everybody wants to know, you know, competition stuff, your thoughts on this and that. But uh, more importantly, uh, earlier in the year, your wife, Sherry, uh, suffered with uh, a bout of uh, this diabetes thing. And we were kind of following on Facebook. Uh, not diabetes, I'm sorry, a kidney um, can you give us an update on what Sherry, how she's doing, what exactly happened, and kind of where she stands right now today? Yeah, um, now I'm fighting a one-second delay where I'm hearing you twice, but I think I, I think I've got you pretty good. Um, uh, you know, here we go. Uh, solved. Uh, Sherry's doing well. Um, she's obviously out of the hospital. Uh, we had 60 days for her kidneys to regenerate. They did not, so we're making our steps to get her on the transplant list, quite honestly. Um, initially, her sister, her brother, and I are matches uh, for transplant, but we're not quite that far yet. So she walks, she talks. Uh, she's going back to work three days a week part-time. Uh, so, yeah, Sherry's doing well. Uh, tons, I want to tell you, I want to thank everybody listening and, and some folks who maybe aren't listening for all the support, tons of support from the barbecue community. I mean, unbelievable support, people doing just uncanny, crazy acts of generosity and things that uh, actually was, was really quite overwhelming. And uh, I, I thank all of you for, for everything, your well wishes, your thoughts, your actions, all of it. it. Is there something that contributed to it? Is she just lucky enough to have this happen to her? Um, anything the doctors were able to pinpoint and say this is exactly what's going on? No, this is called TTP. HUS. Um, a lot of times they just call it TTP. And essentially her blood started to, to destroy itself. So when she, went, when she went into the emergency room, she got, literally had half the blood in her system that you and I have. Um, in turn, what was due to destroy itself was clotting. And so in clotting, it clogged the filter to the kidneys, stopped the blood flow to the kidneys, also stopped the filtering process to the kidneys, and they shut down. This happens to less than 90 people in the U.S. each year. Um, which equates to about one in four million. And honestly, she had better odds of winning many state lotteries than she did in, in contracting this. Uh, of those 90 cases, half of them, they never know what caused it. Sherry's one of those people. They'll never know 
how it happened to her and what caused it. All right, Rod Gray joining me here on the show. So is there a time frame as far as you said you were matches for donation? Is it transplantless first and then a look at donation? How does that process actually work out? Well, we're just we're just finding out ourselves, Greg. I will tell you this. A lot of people wait years for a transplant. If you've got someone in network, if you have a living donor like myself or her sister or her brother, um, either directly or through a chain process, um, it can happen a lot faster. Because of Sherry's age, she's young. Because of her condition, she's extremely fit. She's 5'11", 148 pounds. Um, she was running 5Ks, very active, working out three times a week. The doctors want to fast track her. So they want her to have a new kidney by fall. So sometime this fall, it's all going to go down. All right. So uh, we appreciate that update, Rod. And uh, obviously everybody pulling for Sherry. So you know, as the updates become available, uh, you can follow Rod on Facebook. He's pretty diligent at least kind of sharing where she's at with that. So be sure to follow him there on Facebook as well. Uh, so transitioning off of that, I know, you know, last week I had a show. Attendance was down. I can only relate that to the potential of people watching the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which I know you kind of had a part in. I mean, look, it was in Kansas City. Uh, there was lots of stories on the Internet about all oh, the biggest sports writers in the world are going to be converging on Kansas City and they're going to be eating barbecue. And you saw all these uh, stories on the Internet about how the stadium was going to be serving barbecue and all these other places were finally going to be getting exposed. How did that? I know you had a part in that. So how did that weekend actually or that week kind of go down for you? Well, I want to tell you, it went down great. I actually had a part in a couple different things. One, I was on the Meet Mitch crew for the week. Got to be the all-star players, coaches, and celebrities, um, which for me personally was a very amazing, fulfilling experience. Uh, if you watch any of the video or talk to my buddy Mitch, I don't really exist there. Kind of a ghost figure, but I definitely made a part in it. it, was, it was what? You didn't exist? Well, uh, Mitch needs to promote Meet Mitch and not tell Envy, and he did a damn fine for that. Uh, we're still friends. He bought me lunch today for my birthday, but but he, he neglected to mention me in all of his in all of his interviews, and he and I'll settle that at a later date. But uh, it was I got to tell you, it was so much fun. Um, one little side story: I'm in the, the the clubhouses have little kitchens the players can eat. Um, after usually it's after a, a normal game, and we were serving before and after at different times. And and uh, I was in the Royal Side Kitchen area. Um, I think it was actually during the home run derby, and it was it was pretty cleared out because the players were out watching. And uh, in, in walks Paul Canerco in street clothes. I'm not a huge baseball fan, you know, kind of a town guy. And uh, we strike up a conversation. He's asking me tons of questions about. He doesn't know who I am. I don't know who he is. Um, he tells me he's got a large, big green egg and a cooked shack electric smoker. He lives in Arizona, and he can't find whole packers. So we finished the conversation. He's giving, him his, giving, me, giving him my card, and I'm telling him where to buy whole packers in, in Phoenix. Because wow. Even though his locations don't. So when he gets home after the season, he's headed to the depot to buy some whole briskets and fire them up in front of his pits, which is really – that was. Cool. Uh, Rod, let me, uh, I'm going to dump you real quick. I'm going to call you right back because my audio is jumping out a little bit. So give me one second here. I'll call you right back. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Sorry about that. I heard that too, guys. Gang. Gang. Don't worry. You there, Rod? I got you. Yep. Here I am. Okay. Hopefully that'll fix it there. Uh, so you've, you've somehow aided Paul Conerco on where to get briskets in Arizona. 
So you are like the go-to guy as far as MLB is concerned for a whole pack of briskets. <laughs> he didn't know me from Adam, but I also filled him in on the virtues of smoking guns, hot rub, and blue sock barbecue sauce, which he intended to seek out uh, when he got home for the season, for sure. A winning combination, if I've ever heard. All right, so kind of bridging nicely into that, um, if you don't mind, we can move into a little bit of competition cooking talk right now. Now, yeah. obviously, for certain reasons, uh, Pellet Envy noticeably absent out of the top ten. Uh, but, look, you're still a competitor. You want to win. So as you're looking, and I'm sure you're still perusing the standings and seeing you know, who's competing, who's winning weekend in, weekend out, are, are there any teams that are impressing you right now with the success halfway through July? No, I'm sorry. It's halfway through July. Talk to me at the end of October. Nobody's impressing you? It doesn't matter? No, it doesn't matter to me. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know. I, I haven't really looked that hard. I'm just about to get back into a full swing. I'll take a look at it once I'm back in it. Teams like Tippy Canoe or True Bud or Little Pig Town, uh, it's it's more of a see you see you in three months versus what you've done the first five months. Well, yes and no. You know that once I jump out to that lead early, a lot of times they're hard to catch. This race is pretty close. I think they're separated. I just look. I'm looking on the screen right now and see they're separated by less than twenty points. And they just traded places this week. I'll tell you the one that's pretty honestly the most impressive, and that's Little Pig Town, and I'll tell you why. Because Scott's been there before, and he's had his down seasons, and now he's back in, and that's way harder to do than being there the first time. Um, even I haven't done that. So so kudos to Scott for, for the way he's handling uh, kind of a comeback. All right, Rod Gray joining me here on the show. The website, pelletenvy.com, if you want to check it out also. You can follow him on Twitter, at pelletenvy. So I guess kind of keeping in uh, with that top ten, you know, there's some pretty decent teams in there, uh, and some have finished pretty well uh, towards the end of last year. And you kind of alluded to it here a few minutes ago. Do you think some of those teams are going to cycle out by the end of the year, or do you think you might see you know a lot more teams jump up and, and the teams that are in the top ten, top five right now, uh, they're not going to be there? Well, it, it, it's hard for me to make that prediction. Let me just say this. If you think you're comfortable in the top ten, you shouldn't be because things change in the fall. There's still some big contests to be had, and there's some guys who know how to play that game. And and come the end of October, we may see some pretty major shakeups in that top ten because because guys get hot, they get hot at the right time, and they're unbeatable, and then away they go. So let me ask you this. When, when teams at the end of a competition season, whenever that is for a team, initially, at some point they're going to maybe they take a week off, maybe they don't take any time off, and they're immediately looking at the calendar for next year, seeing what competitions are there. I mean, how does a team who is really interested in trying to win Team of the Year honors for those that want to do that, how are they able to best plan out and pick competitions that are going to put them in the best position to do that? Do you have to schedule a a certain amount out first and then say, well, we have to leave certain dates open for fill-ins because there might be a huge competition that kind of springs up or does not really happen? Well, you don't see them spring up very often, Greg, because they have to, you know, a KCBS-sanctioned event um, has to be done at least 90 days in advance. Plus, if it's a really big event, any smart organizer schedules that out just as far as he can so it can be as successful as possible. Um, but you asked me, the first part of that question was, how do you be successful? Let's take Munch and Hogs, two-time national champion, you know, one last year. Yeah. What did he finish the season with? Like a 28-90 or something? Uh, which is the equivalent of winning 10 40-team contests. How did he get that done? He competed, at, he competed at the big events. He won the big events. It had the most points. 
And that's how you're going to finish the season. If you think you're going to sneak around and pick a bunch of 30-team contests, even if you won 10 of them, you finish up with 2,800 points, and that's not enough to win Team of the Year. Rod Gray joining me here on the show. PelletEnvy.com is the uh, website if you want to check it out. Um, do you think... Do you have any idea or your best guess on a percentage of teams that set out every year to try and win KCBS Team of the Year? Is it like less than 5%? Is it 25%? What do you think? Well, what are you know, there, there's so many different numbers for how many teams are out there on the circuit. You know, some guys are doing one contest in their hometown a year. And, it, you know, I've heard numbers as high as there are 7,000 unique teams that compete in KCBS sanctioned events a year. I don't know that actual number, but. Uh, in terms of the ones that, that, that are out to win Team of the Year, I imagine there's about 20 of them every year that are trying to do that. I'm getting a kind of a unique question here from uh, Shan Glenn, and it says, which would be better, one of the Royal Wins or Team of the Year? But let me ask a different question. What would be better, Team of the Year, which you've done, or winning both the Invitational and the Open back-to-back? That's a fabulous question. While I pondered that, let me compliment you on your wardrobe this evening. You are a very well-dressed man. Well, um, I get apparel from only the finest in the barbecue community, Rod, of course. <laughs> um, no matter how I answer this, I insult somebody. And I'm biased because of what I've done. I would love to win the Royal Invitational or the Royal Open. I'd love to win the Jack Daniels. You know, it takes a pretty good cooker and a lot of luck to win one of those events on any weekend. But the guy who wins the team of the year, the national champion, has had more than more than luck. It's a it's a season that involves some luck and has some skill. Because you you've had to do something over a course of, of nine months, not one weekend. Winning both the invitational and the open would be a phenomenal, phenomenal feat. Don't get me wrong. And it's my favorite contest in the country. So that'd be really, really cool. But the national champion is is the team that wins KCBS team of the year, far and away. All right, so last time we talked, I believe you had started to mention that you were making a bridge over towards the Wagyu briskets instead of just what you're getting out of Sam's Club. Uh, something that you're sticking with uh, as you get back on the trail, or will you go back to how you were cooking prior? Uh, you need to look at your notes. I gave that stuff up last year ago, May. I'm cooking regular old choice grade brisket. You're cooking regular old what? Choice, great, oh. brisket. All right, so well, so you tried it, and now you're back. What what didn't you like? I mean, it still seems to be pretty popular. Yeah, I think it's very popular. I think there are a lot of guys that are taking it and winning with it. I don't fault them for that. It just didn't work for me. With my processes and what I'm doing, I'm, I'm turning out some pretty phenomenal brisket, and I'm saving myself a boatload of money. Is it results and money coupled together, or more money and being able to achieve the same result. I mean, were you able to achieve similar results with a Wagyu and you're just saving money? No, I did not achieve the same results with the Wagyu brisket that I'm achieving with the Choice Free brisket. It's just me. I can, I'm not going to do it, but I can name some of the best teams in the country that are cooking the expensive stuff and doing great with it. Sure. I just wasn't one of them. I just couldn't do it. And I don't fault those guys for if If that stuff propelled me to the winner's circle every weekend, I'd be buying it too. I just couldn't get it dialed in. It just wasn't working for me, personally. Rod Gray joining me here on the show. You know, when you first started cooking, you were running a pair of FEC 100s. Uh, now it's straight Jambo. You won a lot of competitions with the FEC cookers, as many teams do and many teams are still doing. 
How do you comp- – I mean, obviously, there's a very simple answer to this question. I'm not actually looking for that. I'm a little smarter than that. But how do you compare and contrast the two cookers since you have used both extensively? Where's my laugh track? I wanted to hit it during that. But, um, here, <laughs> I get this question a lot. Here is, uh, here's my answer. Yeah. I would turn – the thing about a pellet cooker, about an FEC 100, or actually mine were FE 100s. They were predecessors to what's out there now, and I like them a lot. But what, the best thing about them was consistency. I turned out the same product week in and week out. Fabulous stuff. But on my best day, I wasn't as consistent on a pellet cooker as I am on the Jambo. And what I mean by that is I consistently turned in a really high-level product uh, off the FECs, but guys cooking on a stick burner were turning in some average stuff that was beaten. So it just got a little frustrating, and actually one day I realized no one has ever been the national team of the year cooking on pellet-fired pits. And I thought, you know what? If you can't beat them, join them. It was a new style of cooker. It was an offset. I got a whole lot less sleep. You can tell what it's done to me, but uh, it was it was worth the switch, and it was a new challenge for me. And, you know, first time out with it at a contest, I won on it, realized that my recipes would, would translate, and away we went. And two years later, we were, we were the national team of the year. So is it just consistency that the Jambo was giving you? I mean, you see them all around even more and more. They, they became very popular after that first season of Pitmasters when Jamie Gear was on there and was able to really kind of talk about it and you saw how sexy they were. But look, I mean, strip away all the sexiness and the big boobs and the great ass on those things. They must be just phenomenal cooking machines. Actually, the, when people approach me and say, "Talk to me about a pellet-fired pit versus a, a, a skipper like a jambo," here's my here's what I say. I used to play golf in a younger, more svelte uh, body, and and cooking on a jambo is like playing a perimeter-weighted iron. You know, you hit a bad shot and helps correct it, and, and it flies down the fairway pretty decent um, compared to a blade. Which if you hit it flush, you hit it on the nuts, it, it's going to be a great shot. But if you don't hit it properly, it sprays all over the place. Cooking on a pellet pit is like hitting a blade, a perimeter weighted club, and cooking on a jambo is like hitting a. It's like I'm sorry, it's like hitting a blade. Um, it, they're just you can do more things on the jambo. Look at let's let's use last weekend as an example. I think you already mentioned it. Maybe uh, a guy at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning gets DQ'd um, for taking his meat off site. He goes into Sam's Club, he buys all new meat, he starts cooking it after 9 a.m. And he finishes fourth, brisket ribs, pork, and chicken. And he finishes fourth on the Jambo. There's not a lot of pitch you could do that on. Rod Gray joining me here on the show. Um, before we uh, go to the first break here, Rod, is there a cooker out there right now that might not be as well known by most folks that could be poised for the title of like the next best thing that you? I mean, you, you know a lot of people inside outside the industry. Is, is there a cooker that you're hearing about that might be like the next big cooker that? could be upon us in the next six months, year, two? Well, i got to answer that in two parts really quickly. The first part is it's not pit. It's the cook. Once you know your pit, you cook on anything. In my opinion, to answer that question, I think we're on the horizon of seeing uh, a gravity-fed charcoal pit really dominate probably. I think something like that new Rebel that's out out of the St. Louis area might be the next big pit to cook on um, because it gives you some convenience, but it's not requiring electricity and pellet-driven you know, motors, things like that. Um, I think that might be a great combination between a stick burner and, and a pellet pit. 
However, I'm going to tell you right now, Jambo is just a really, really hard fit to beat. Absolutely. Rod Gray joining me here on the show. All right, Rod, we're going to go ahead and uh, break away here just for a second, so go ahead and grab yourself a cold one if you would uh, care to, and we'll pick up the conversation with you in just about three minutes. But first, let me talk to you quickly about the good friends over in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the longest-running sponsor of the show, located, like I said, in Warminster, Pennsylvania, Barbecue Guru. Gang, look, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cookers, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this style of technology. Why would you buy one from any other company? I have no idea. Now, maybe you're not familiar with how these little beauties work. I'm not going to bore you with the minutia and the nerdity of it all, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and once set, it keeps running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. This is real life, and you can take advantage of this technology today. Now, maybe you're a busy working professional, or perhaps you are constantly on the run with kids, you're doing errands. Quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and Ted pit temperatures. The barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, whatever it is. And then you're off to do whatever you need to get done. And the barbecue Guru maintains the pit temperature that you set it at. Now, there's currently uh, four different models to choose from. Well, I guess five. They're phasing out the ProCom 4 wireless in turn. That is going to be replaced by the CyberQ Wi-Fi unit. I'm seeing it more and more on competition circuits and backyards. People are emailing me, telling me what a brand-new convenience. That Who thought something tending your own pit temperature, I mean, that's convenience enough. Now, maybe you have a smartphone. Maybe you have a netbook or a tablet. Or you just like to sit at home all day on the computer while you're making barbecue. If you have some sort of hotspot or you can tap into the hotspot on the unit, uh, the CyberQ Wi-Fi itself, you can. it'll launch a web page. And now... You can see where your pit temperature is at. You can see what internal temperature your meats are at. Maybe you're cooking a little too fast. Get on that tablet, the phone, the computer. You can lower the pit temperature. You can increase it, put it in ramp mode. This thing is absolutely phenomenal, and it's the latest, greatest technology starting at 295 bucks. You also have the CyberQ unit itself, the DigiQ DX2, and that PartyQ, which is like the easiest point of entry into automatic pit temperature control devices. It starts at 129 bucks. It's a self-contained unit. It runs on AA batteries, for crying out loud. $10 more for the ceramic styles. Now, maybe you're in the market for a cooker. You have the Onyx oven option as well. It's been winning on competition circuits and backyards all over the country. Fully insulated, holds a ton of meat, accommodates half and full pans for food service, and it works seamlessly with any of those automatic pit temperature control devices from the Barbecue Guru. Now, do yourself a favor. Head over to the website, thebbqguru.com. Check out all the products. And if you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. And they will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU, thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we're coming right back with Rod Gray. Stick around. We'll be right back. In the smoke, call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, uh, 24 minutes till the top of the hour, 36 past. And we are chatting with Rod Gray from Pellet Envy. Rod, thanks for hanging with me through the break there. No problem. Let's stay on pellet cookers just for a second, because uh, we're kind of back and forth on that. 
there's been quite an explosion of pellet cooker options available, uh, you know, over the last couple of years in the market right now, especially, like I said, over the last couple of years. I'm not going to ask you if they are some form of cheating, per se, when we talk about competitions, but do you think it's important for any pitmaster to have some semblance of real fire management within their barbecue career, uh, barbecue career, barbecue career at some point or another? Does a NASCAR driver have to know how to rebuild an engine? Well, I mean, I bet 90% of them probably know how to. I don't know that. Do you really know that? I feel safer saying 50% probably. Okay. Well, they, they might wear hair gel. Masters know how to run a fire, so I think we're there. It doesn't matter. It, it's not about fire management. It's about winning a barbecue contest. However you can get there as long as it's legal. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I'm hark. Uh, who cares? Maybe I'm, I'm I'm subconsciously calling back to the traditional barbecuist. I guess you know when I cut my teeth five six years ago, you're always told know your cooker, know your cooker. And while I love my pellet cooker, I also like to know the fact that if I didn't have one, I could fire up a cooker and do an offset, and I could do it through charcoal, and I know the, all these different methods that maybe other people aren't bothering to learn. Because they have a pellet cook. I understand what you're saying. Am I but, just bragging? Uh, you know, we're mixing apples and oranges, I think. Winning a barbecue contest is about cooking good stuff, but uh, knowing how to, how to run a proper fire, I'm not sure that that's a, a, a big necessity. All right, so if it's not a success, if it's not that big of a necessity, and less than 50% of NASCAR drivers know how to rebuild engines, are you opposed to allowing any and all cookers into barbecue competitions at this point? Should KCBS just open the floodgates and, and let the propane cookers in and the electric cookers? If it's if it's the cook and not the pit, why not? I'm not opposed to it. I've never have been. You can get, you have me on record if you can find it in the minutes, and I'm not opposed to to opening the floodgates and cooking on whatever. Run what you brought, baby. That's all I care. Uh, so, I mean, like, what do you think the holdup is? Are they so stuck in traditional ways and some forms and fashions that they they won't allow it? I mean, does that just get killed immediately down in a vote? Yeah, pretty much. There's still a lot of old guard on the KCBS board. There's a few young guns there, but for the most part, it's just not going to happen with the current group. Does it seem a tad – I'm sorry, you're talking and I don't even have you on screen. Does it seem a tad hypocritical – for the old guard to not let propane cookers in, but I can go plug in my pellet cooker and set it at a temperature and not be able to tend fire. Forget the fact that we're, I guess we're kind of skirting those rules because it is using a form of wood for fuel. Or if I'm using charcoal and I'm using a barbecue guru or a stoker, I mean, that's not necessarily causing me to learn or keep up any type of tradition. It, it seems a little hypocritical of me if you're not going to let one in. Why are you allowing a pellet cooker and uh, a, a guru? Well, I agree with you, and you have to know a little bit about the history. Remember, the guy that proliferated pellet cooking actually sat on the board as they were being as they were really being brought onto the scene. And so with his help, they, they found a way to put pellet cookers into, into play. Had it been a guy that was developing a gas-fired pit, for all I know, there'd be gas-fired pits on the circuit right now, but that's not how it happened. Rod Gray joining me here on the show. PelletEnvy.com is the website. You can follow him on Twitter, at PelletEnvy. Uh, Rod, you've been in the barbecue game for quite a while now. What are some of the biggest changes that you have seen in the competition world since you got into it, and maybe even something that you used to do that you don't even do now? <laughs> 
Oh, shit. Who knows? Uh, I'll tell you the one thing I see that, that bothers me, and that makes me look prop to the old barbecue cook. I'm tired of seeing the young guns holding the number one sign up when they when they win a trophy at a barbecue contest. It's like, really? You're number one of what? Of that category on that day? It's a damn long season, fellas. Act like you've been there before. Is there a little classlessness that's happening uh, during award ceremonies, do you think? Well, it's not classlessness in their eyes, of course, but uh, and maybe it's us older guys that aren't winning the way we used to. Maybe we were classless when we were winning like that. I don't really know the answer, but it just seems like the new guard has a totally different mentality about competition barbecue. And maybe I had that when I was younger. I don't know. I think I've made a few enemies on the circuit. I don't know about enemies, but I put off a few people, and honestly, I'm fine with that. But but I don't think I ever raised my finger and wanted to show everybody that I had an index finger on both hands or whatever it is. I'm not quite sure. Or the faux gang sign or whatever. You might watch out, Greg. I think somebody's stalking you from behind the banner. Yeah, the my middle daughter's going to bed. She's uh, wishing me goodnight from afar because she knows I'm very important on the Internet with Rod Gray. Um, you know, Rod, there was some talk about, you remember, was it like two years ago, you were talking about a potential name change from Pellet Envy to one of one of the names that I thought could have been the baddest-ass names ever on the face of the earth, which was F-Bomb Barbecue. Do we, do, do we have any... Any update on that? Is that even a potential? Has that talk just completely died off at this point? I mean, I would love to say F-Bomb Barbecue won Grand Champion and Team of the Year and Pitmaster of F-Bomb Barbecue. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I got vetoed by my wife. But honestly, unless I want to cook the rest of my life just as a solo solo Pitmaster, <laughs> we're never going to be F-Bomb Barbecue. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of reviving the meat beater team, though, maybe. That might be my next choice. I'm not sure. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, are you going to be jumping back into the competition scene soon? Starting this weekend. I'm back on the circuit starting this weekend. It's kind of close to home from Burlington, Kansas, in the heat with a bunch of good teams and and uh, see if we can't knock them across off this weekend. All right. Uh, and how many more do you have lined up for the rest of the year? I'm going to try to pick about every weekend, Greg. Oh, wow. The best I can. Um, Sherry's doing well, like I said. and uh, She's left off to a point where she's pretty self-sufficient again for the most part. I may have to pull a pull out a weekend too, along with the fall. My goal is to get back in every weekend. Uh, that's where Grease Lightning wants me to be, and uh, where I plan to be. All right, Rod. I'm gonna. I'm sorry to do this again. I'm gonna have to dump you and reconnect because my audio is cutting out again. Be right back with you in five seconds. <sighs> Pain in the ass. This should all potentially be resolved um, maybe next week. Sorry about that, Rod. Seems like we get a good uh, eight, ten minute stretch, and then for some reason it wants to die off, so we just reconnect. All right. Now, look. I think my personality is too big for the internet. I, I absolutely agree with that 100%. You're absolutely correct. Too big. Not only for screen, but for the interwebs uh, bandwidth as well. <laughs> I can't stand watching myself on video, by the way. I need to just stare at this green dot and quit looking all over the place. I look like a special needs child. That's probably a horrible thing to say. That's, that wasn't good. Well, you said special needs, not retarded. See, now people will send me email. That's right. I got a retarded cousin, so I'm allowed to say that. All right. Now, look. Uh, barbecue Hall of Fame. Um, yes, I, I sir. Have, I have found out through the very depths of my knowledge that you are somehow in cahoots or you're sitting on like a subcommittee of election or what's your capacity with this Barbecue Hall of Fame? Um, I currently am the, the subcommittee chairperson of the Barbecue Hall of Fame, so basically I'm the Barbecue Hall of Fame committee chairperson. It's a subcommittee of the marketing committee at the American Royal, so uh, the buck stops with me. So here's the great thing, 
It was finally picked off the internet in that ridiculous, like, limbo state that it was sitting on is like just an internet site um, that I think was run by uh, Ray Basso or whatever, who runs a horrific forum. Anyway, now you you have picked it off, and you have going to be putting in brick and mortar. You have people going in. Um, what was the impetus of actually getting a, like a true barbecue hall of fame going instead of just leaving it online? Well, it was dying a slow death online. Like you said, now look, I'm going to give Mike and Ray a lot of credit. They thought it up. They founded it. They got the ball rolling. They had seven inductees go in. And then I think in 2011, no one even nominated anyone for the barbecue hall of fame. <laughs> so um, it just seemed like time that we have a legitimate, National Barbecue Hall of Fame, and where better to have it than at the American Royal, you know, uh, home of the only true barbecue invitational in the world's largest barbecue contest right here in Kansas City. And by the way, it's not going to be Kansas, just because it's located in Kansas City, it is definitely going to be a National Barbecue Hall of Fame. And uh, truthfully, we got a lot of help from Sterling Ball on on, on coming with it, coming up with this decision to do this. And so the Royal acquired the rights to it, and its new home is at the American Royal. All right, so we have a, a, a new inductee class going in and it seems there's a criteria set a pit master a man of indi- well man or woman industry slash business and then you have a celebrity going into so first two i have like zero problem with johnny trigg goes in this year i mean what's the voting process is that do you have the uh, the the uh, competition barbecue sports writers of america do they get a vote am i going to get a vote i mean how are you picking people going into the uh, Hall of Fame, just uh, as a general, like, what's the process? Well, just know this. Um, We needed to acquire that entity legally, and it's a lot slower process than a lot of people believe it is. So truthfully, there was no need to start picking candidates to vote on until we were acquired, until we were legally had the rights to it and things like that. So this year, a panel of folks who sit on the Barbecue Hall of Fame committee uh, were the, the people who did the voting. Um, uh, we, we selected some people for nomination, um, each several people in each of the three categories, and then we, we voted it out, and the winners came out on top, and they're being inducted this year. So the, the worst thing about it is this celebrity category. When is that going to get removed, and who can I forward a petition to? Ron, you I'm telling you, it is such... Away right over here in the trash can. That is Listen, such, it is such a gray category... I mean, why Why the hell should Guy Fieri be in a barbecue hall of fame? Guy Fieri, uh, or Guy Ferry, or the, I don't know what no. his name is. What, why no, should I'm he sorry. be in? That's not fair. Listen, listen, here's the deal. We want to make the barbecue hall of fame legitimate. We want to make it a brick-and-mortar facility that people can visit in the future. Okay. And I'm not going to lie to you, it has to be a little bit self-serving. We want to bring people to the American Royal on Saturday night. All right. So the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is Saturday night. So we got two really strong, legitimate, traditional categories um, in the in the pitmaster and in the business and industry category. And then, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. We need another category that brings interest to the Barbecue Hall of Fame, brings interest to the American Royal, and yet legitimizes somebody who is out? If you read what the Hall of Fame is about now, it's about the promotion of barbecue to Americans. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, who better than Guy Fieri to promote barbecue to Americans? He's on the Motley Q team. No, he's not. They won American Royal. Yeah, he's on there. No, he's, he's there. Not. He's there. Not he can't really. be there all the time. He has other commitments, but he's been there. 
When? Um, who'd you want? You want Bobby Flay? Who'd you want in that category? Bobby Flay would be better. Bobby Why? Flay has Bobby, TVs but, about barbecue. Bobby Flay uh, has been seen cooking on barbecue uh, implements. He would draw a, a bigger crowd than Guy Fieri. To me, I, now, let me, let me say this. I would like to have neither of them in. But if I'm picking between yeah. the two, I would rather have Bobby Flay. I would rather have Stephen Reichland. I would rather have Dr. Barbecue. Uh, people that are actually, and I, I know they're not celebrities. If we walk down the street and it's me and you and guy, I mean, nobody knows us, Rod, let's be honest. Yeah. So I, I get, it. I get it. And, and, and I hope that you can see our side of it in that we need someone who not only we put into the hall of fame for what they've done to promote barbecue in America, but also to garner some attention of who we're putting in and what we're doing, because that's important. You know, having done this, the National Barbecue Hall of Fame has brought some additional sponsorship dollars to the Royal, which makes us put on an even better ceremony on Saturday night, and which in turn, ultimately, a lot of people don't know this, but the ultimate purpose of the American Royal is to raise money for scholarship youth who want to learn um, about the agricultural traditions and, and ways in the U.S., so... It's all for it's all for good effort, and we'll just have to agree to disagree. I think Guy Fieri is a fabulous pick here. All right, so we do agree to disagree on that. All right, uh, Rob. Before I let you go, uh, everybody's always interested in uh, pellet envy cooking classes. Uh, what exactly is happening? Do you have any coming up? Uh, do you have any more throughout the rest of the year? You're the man. We have one more left. It's here in Kansas City on August twenty fifth. I'm going to tell you right now. People think it's sold out already. It is not. Um, we limit at thirty. We have about twenty. Lots of spouses this time, so I'm gonna cut it off a little early because I don't want to. I don't want to end up with 40 people in the room. Honestly, because that's just too big for me to do it on my own. But uh, we have a class, one more class, this, and then it's over for this year. I'm here in Overland Park, it's on the 24th and 25th of August, and I really appreciate you asking. I also appreciate you mentioned Grease Lightning, my national sponsor. Um, so you hear a lot of good things about them and the and, the, and the, what it does for people and their products. I read on your on the on the forum that somebody cleaned their cooler with it for the first time and loved it. Yeah, great stuff. Look at my my shirt. Look over my shirt. It's a great product. We're talking with Rod Gray, pitmaster of Pellet Envy, and you can find him pelletenvy.com. Rod, always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on tonight. Greg, thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate being. Here. You got it. There he is, Rod Gray, pitmaster of Pellet Envy. Phenomenal interview. Not sure exactly what the hell's going on with that audio. Kind of pissing me off a little bit, I gotta be honest. Try and run a professional ship here. Pete. Gang, let me recollect myself and tell you about something that is absolutely shaking the very foundations of the barbecue world. More specifically, the injection world. Look, Butcher's Barbecue is thinking of ways for you to trust your butcher even more than you already do. Check out this new program that they are unveiling for the very first time. No other company in the world has vowed to make not only their own customers happy, but their competitors' customers happy as well. Let me set a stage for you. Have you bought another injection and it hasn't worked out? Have your scores tumbled? Now it's just sitting around collecting dust, probably never to be used again. What to do? How about this? You know what? This deserves a drum roll. Trade it in. Pound for pound. All you have to do is go to ButcherBBQ.com, pardon me, and click the trade-in link up there at the top right. Once you get there, fill out the form, print it off, seal up your trade, and mail it to Dave. He'll send you back in return 
butcher barbecue beef or pork or prime injection. Look, we all do it. You spend some money only to find out that the product is bad. Now the wife is pissed because you could have taken her out on the town. How many times you've been in this situation? You spend your money on a product, and when you realize that it isn't that great, you're in a pickle. You're in a vacillating situation. You won't use it again because it sucks, but it was too expensive to just throw out. In the past, you were screwed. But now with the trade-in program at Butcher's Barbecue, stress is relieved. Butcher's will match it pound for pound. You have nothing to lose, only great products to gain that have been time-tested by all of the award-winning barbecue cooks in KCBS and the FBA and the IBCA. You name it, they have tried it, and now you can save yourself. Butchers will honor any commercially made product along with its partial or complete label. You just can't throw something together in a cellophane bag and ship it off to Dave. We're a little hip to that. Sorry. There is a strict limit to five pounds per item per household. All products will be weighed at time of arrival, and that amount is final. If you have any questions, contact Dave directly via the ButcherBBQ.com website. The trade-in program happening now at Butcher Barbecue, that's ButcherBBQ.com, and then navigate the trade-in link up there at the top right. It's just one more way to trust your butcher, and of course, aside from those injections, check out the sauce and those rubs. Oh, you're doing yourself a disservice to your friends and neighbors and you if you're not checking those out too. ButcherBBQ.com, the trade-in program going on now. We'll wrap up the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far? I never asked for this. I never asked for this. Right. Last we are back, uh, approaching five minutes till the top of the hour. There's whiskey in my soul. 877-448-0433. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Paul Huff is an outlaw. Me too. Rod sent me shirts. Not just a shirt. And by the way, next week I will be wearing. Can I show this? High Barbecue, which is out of uh, Hawaii, believe it or not. Highbarbecue.com. It's pow when it's pow. I'm guessing that means it's done when it's done in Hawaiian. It's the place to go in Hawaii for all things barbecue. Highbarbecue.com. Crash Dijonay. 808-271-3392. Crash at highbarbecue.com. And that's Q-U-E. I have it. Uh, it might be... Do I have the shirt up? It's probably in the washer. I can't wear one right out of the box, man. It itches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pour water. So this is the shirt I'll be wearing uh, next week. But Rod sent me a shirt for every year that they've been in competition so i got like two or three black shirts i got two of these kind of one was green i love i wore that a couple weeks ago this one's a more slate uh, but the pellet envy right there it's got all sorts of great logos on the back so uh, awesome and uh, a great interview again by rod look rod brings in the crowds he is a, a polarizing figure he is there to speak 
somebody that as a host, I appreciate somebody that's just going to let it hang out. You know, obviously he's not looking to offend anybody, but you know, when you good interviews come from people that are being honest. And guess what? Everybody's allowed to have an opinion. Maybe you didn't know that. And Rod is not afraid to share his opinion. A lot of people have opinions. They just don't want to come on the show and necessarily share them because they're afraid of uh, what you would call repercussions. Let me tell you somebody who's not afraid to share his opinion. This guy. Total power in one person's hands. Not the American way. These damn bills that come out here all the damn time. I think this was Steve Farron at the, the last KCBS meeting. I got to try to figure out how to vote for my people. He's pissed. You should be ashamed of yourselves. He's I'm sick of it. Steve. Every year. Oh. We pass rules that stop each one of us. I know. Enough. What is the KCBS doing? I feel like somebody trying to be released oh, from Egypt. You Let my people go. You, you damn right. Rumor has it that was Steve Farron, the last KCBS meeting, talking about letting uh, uh, propane cookers in. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. PelletEnvy.com. And uh, I guess be put on notice if you are competing for the rest of the year. Starting this coming weekend, Rod and Sherry will be out on the competition trail looking, as he said, to knock some rust off. And it could go either way. You know, it might take a couple competitions for Rod to get up. Or, you know, one of my good friends in the barbecue industry and the creator of Outdoor Cooking Channel, uh, Kevin Bevington, took a wide span of time off, turned right around, and, like, you know, now he's into the regional rounds of Sam's Club. So if you know what you're doing, things are going to be on your side for sure so we'll wish him uh, good luck and we'll see how he does i'll make sure i keep you up to date on that all right uh, pelletnb.com is his website we are pointing to the second hour i got some second takes and then we have meathead for the balance of the second hour after that talking about a whole bunch of really cool stuff because meathead's cool who doesn't love a good meathead also, your phone calls and emails if you want, 877-448-0433. We'll review the Survey Tuesday question. What do you do with your meat left over at competitions? Look, Clint Cantwell is in the house. I'm just seeing Clint. Clint, you promised me something, and it hasn't come through yet. I'm sure you're working on that, right? Yeah, I didn't think so. We're going to fist fight, Clint. Me and you and your new home in Tennessee. I'm coming down to Tennessee, the Commonwealth. All right, we'll step away, and uh, we will hit the second hour right after this. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Hi, I'm Johnny Dam, host of the Damage Report Radio Show. When I'm not falling in love with the First Amendment all over again, I like to sit back, relax, and rub my meat to the Barbecue Central Show. And now your host, Greg Rempe. Go, Greg. Yeah, rub that meat. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. 
Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate 54 wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, you shake a face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> You could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Sounds like a whole lot of the movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really. Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh, top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Just got some fabulous news via chat. Brent Richardson, the pitmaster of Slabs of Approval, sending me a Tux t-shirt. <laughs> One thing in my life that I have always wanted is a Tux t-shirt. See them all the time, never really had one. I'm extra large, B-Rent. Email me, I'll give you my uh, shipping address and shirt size. You can't tell? I'm extra large. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, hold on a second. Just wait a second. Well, you don't need to get all crazy on that. That was my bad right there. Uh, opening segment. There we go. Oh, did I screw all this up? Man, I sure did. Oh, well. We'll figure it out here. Let's see. What'd I do? I gotta have Meathead's... Uh, Theme. <laughs> I gotta have his theme music on. He gets pissed when you don't have his theme music on. That guy's crazy. All right. Here we go. Survey Tuesday. To all you pit masters out there on the competition trail, what are you doing with the leftover meat? What are you doing with it? Believe me, I went down to the far reaches of the football hall of the Na- National Football League Hall of Fame city of Canton, Ohio. The Sam's Club cook eh, three weeks ago, I guess now. And man, oh man. Man, oh man. I visited Robert McGee's camp. That dude pulled out a smorgasbord. He had like two or three whole packers that had just been, you know, because what are you, turning in eight slices or whatever it is? So he had a uh, Wagyu beef brisket. He had the the, uh, prime brisket. One better than the next. He had a plethora of pork, both pulled and then money muscle, which was my fr- Look, when I do a pork butt at home, I don't cook for the money muscle only. And I'm telling you, after I had the money muscle from Munch and Hogs at the Hilton, I thought, geez, oh, Pete. Do, do people actually cut off the money muscle like at home and just cook that for slices? That was some of the best pork I've ever had in my life. That was where my middle daughter was just punching those hockey pucks of pork down her throat. And after the fourth one goes, Dad, why doesn't yours taste like this? Yeah. Uh, because he's the uh, current team of the year. That's why. And I cook in the back there. But geez, oh, Pete. I always end up, you know, overcooking it to the point where it just pulls with everything else, which is good for pulled pork because when I am trying to impress somebody on the whole, I'll go right to that side and, and make a pulled pork sandwich just of that for the special people. Everybody else can kind of fend for themselves. I don't care about that. So what are you doing with your leftovers? 
Give it to friends and sponsors. Good idea. Bill Volpe. Hey, Bill. Is Okay, this is going to sound like a crazy... This is going to sound like a crazy question. Bill, are you... Like, are you my cousin, Bill Volpe? Let me go to Bill Volpe Facebook. Out of uh, Tryon, North Carolina. Wow, dude, that is weird. Bill Volpe, I have a cousin named Bill Volpe. Whoa. Hey, there's my dad, Bill Rempe. Bill, look, Bill, dad, look right above you. There's Bill, there's Bill Volpe. (laughs) Our cousin, but he's not our cousin. I'm glad you're listening. Um, so it looks like a lot of people giving it away. Uh, I can tell you what Robert did. Um, Robert uh, packed his in a cooler. He was bringing it back home with him back to Kansas City. All right. Uh, next week on the show, Derek Riches from About.com will be uh, joining us. I believe we missed him last month. Oh, God. Ed Morin emailing the show. Must be heavily into drink. He's about a week behind. He wants me to ask Joey Chestnut how many times he has to flush when he exits those hot dogs. Eddie. Come on. That was last week, bro. (laughs) Eddie. It's all right. Probably watching replays somewhere. It's fine. I don't take offense that you're not watching me live. I swear. I swear. Uh, Next week on the show, Derek Riches from About.com will be joining me. Um, We'll probably also be talking about, because he had a a great blog post, about how you spell barbecue, what the proper spelling of barbecue is. And he got his answer from, you know, where does anybody find anything about anything? Google's. So we'll talk to him about that and also about some other new things that are hitting the uh, barbecue and grilling market. So if you have some discretionary dollars... Also, Scott Roberts will be joining me doing the monthly review of sauces and rubs. And a return tripper, it didn't work out too well the last time we had him on, but it's been about three weeks, so Sam Zion, Sam the Cooking Guy from the samlivecast.com will be joining us. So there you go. Warning before we get to Meathead. Man swallows metal grill brush. Bristle. Emergency surgery. This happens in Washington. Man says he accidentally swallowed a steel bristle from a grill brush he used during a barbecue and needed emergency surgery to take it out. King 5 reports that Adam, there's no way I'm going to get his last name right, went to the hospital Sunday complaining of abdominal pain that wouldn't go away even after taking medication. Doctors then found a metal bristle and performed emergency surgery to pull out the thin metal bristle from his intestinal tract. The last name that I can't pronunciate says he recently hosted a cookout, and he thinks a steel bristle from his grill brush fell into his steak and apparently swallowed the metal without realizing it. He's expected to make a full recovery. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention just warned Americans around the 4th of July holiday of potential dangers from inadvertently swallowing wire brush bristles that may have fallen off grill cleaning brushes. In its July 6th issue of Morbidity and Mortality Weekly report, the CDC described six cases of patients accidentally swallowing the brushes, suffering injuries that range from painful swallowing from a punctured throat to tears in the gastrointestinal tract that required surgery. All patients recovered from their injuries once the bristles were removed. 
The CDC doesn't blame a particular brand or type of brush. If you swallow a grill bristle, call the or the CDC encourages people to report it to saferproducts.gov, which I'm guessing is something assimilated to them. Look, guys, gals, first things first. You're performing proper grill hygiene if we have to reset the very basics of grilling. When you're performing grill hygiene, you're doing this. A, it's a preheat all the way up as hot as it's going to get. Then, once you've reached that, you grab your brush. Now, they make uh, brushes now that don't have the bristles per se, but they look kind of like a steel wool. And you can go you know, over the top. That'll really do really good over the top of the bars, but it's not going to get in between. Look, spend the 25 or 30 bucks it's going to be. Go to a restaurant supply store and ask them for a broiler brush. These things are industrial strength. It is going to take a lot of back and forth to actually have one of these tines fall off. And benefit, if one of the tines do fall off, you're going to see it. You're not going to mistake it for, well, you're going to see it. You're not going to not see it and then eat it. And also, if for some reason you're partially blind in your left eye and you put the piece of meat with that huge tine in it, you're going to feel it in your mouth. You're not going to be swallowing it. So go get a broiler brush. I've had one for like two and a half years. It's not when I used to get those stupid brass bristle brushes from Home Depot. I would be, what the hell was that? Flying cocoa puffs. Get that big stuff out of here. I would burn through those brass brushes for a summer, easy, because they have no heat tolerance. You're melting them right down. Ridiculous. Get the broiler brush. Now, if you have the porcelain coated cast iron grates, you're kind of up shit creek on that one. But look. Switch out to stainless steel, get the broiler brush, and boom, you're done. You'll have a brush that will last for years. So you're not continually dropping 10 or 20 bucks on those stupid brass bristle brushes. And you're not going to have to worry about swallowing bristles. So then, look, survey your area on the grill. Make sure there's no contaminants on there. It sounds like this guy was cooking his steak and then decided to do a grill brush on top of it, and it just fell off as he was taking it off. Common sense, folks. That's all we're asking for here in the uh, Barbecue Central show. A little uh, common sense for crying out loud. We don't want you to pop your intestinal tract is what we're trying to say, okay? Just trying to help. Just looking to uh, pass along common sense and courtesy. Meathead's coming up on the back side. That didn't sound right. Take your barbecue to the next level, guys, with the Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food, science, and smoking secrets to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Backyard barbecuers and those folks who want to open a business drive and fly in from all over the world for the Institute's small, friendly, informative classes. Upcoming Barbecue 101 classes include Riverhead, New York, Dallas, and Houston, Texas. A commercial barbecue class for those wanting to open their own barbecue restaurant is coming up at the Gator Pit Factory in Houston using their approved commercial kitchen. Now, following a sold-out second annual barbecue at McKinley Springs Winery, plans are already in the works for 2013. You say 2013 or 2013? Reply. The Barbecue Institute is planning and adding a two-day Dutch oven class and a one-day butchering class on either side of the weekend. Learn the differences between cooking with charcoal, gas, logs, wood pellets. They can all produce amazing results, no question about it. Yet they all require a different route to get there. Learn the practical secrets 
from the food science. Sorry, learn the practical secrets and the food science on the methods to get the best results from each heat source because it's all a little bit different for what you're using. Now, look, we're not teaching classes on the weekends. Conrad is conducting private classes and corporate events from coast to coast during the week. He is completely steeped into barbecue and grilling. Not something he does on the side or just for cash grab. He's doing it every day of his life. He's also the founder of the Operation Barbecue, opbbq.com, in 2004. That's when he founded it. And he still barbecues for troops and wounded warriors. Mentioned to the troops and the wounded warriors out there. To make your next off-site event really memorable, have a Barbecue Institute off-site party. Show your employees you care with that very best barbecue that money can buy. They will be talking about it for years to come. And look, it's hard to keep employees now. Markets are kind of picking up a little bit. People have a little bit of options. You want to retain the good workers. This is one of the best ways to do it. Happy employees equal productive employees equal not bitching and moaning employees. For details on all the Barbecue Institute classes, visit bbqinstitute.com or check their Facebook page for the latest news and pictures. That's the barbecueinstitute.com. All right, uh, when we come back, it's a meathead. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. You know, teach a man to fish. Uh, you, you guys can't even wait. Let me just say that. You can't even wait. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with the show. Oh, you know, when this song's on, things are going to start taking off and seismic and gargantuan proportions. I uh, just looked up on Billboard's Top 20. You Can't Hurry Rinse has a bullet right by it shooting up top to number one, only behind Kelly Clarkson and some kook named Rihanna. So, uh, look for that. My next guest, he is a crowd favorite, runs the most trafficked website related to barbecue and grilling on the face of the earth. He appears once a month on this show to talk about some of the hot topics relating to the industry that we both love so much, which is barbecue and grilling. Let's race over to the hotline, why don't we? And uh, grab Czar of AmazingRibs.com. <laughs> Look at this giddy up, everybody. It's uh, Meathead. Meathead, what's up, buddy? That is my Meathead. Uh, it, I'm telling you, it is the, uh, of the likes I have never seen before. And, uh, I mean, it's a hot dog, right? It is a hot dog. Of course it's a hot dog. Look at that thing. Wow. With, with mustard, not ketchup. Oh, that's mustard, all right. You got a mustard-colored shirt, and you got the mustard hat. Look at that guy, yeah, Bob. That guy's a, crazy. Meathead. I'm a meathead. Well, I, there's, uh, w- while some may have had question recently, we can uh, definitely put that myth to bed. We've debunked that myth. You are a meathead of seismic and gargantuan. Truth. That's you know me. I am always looking for the proof. Uh, meathead, before we get into some of the items that we're talking about tonight, 
How does one get the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website? I have no idea. You don't? I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I started a little website in 06 about barbecue, and it's taken off. I, I mean, you know, it's some. a lot of it, it's, if you build it, they will come. I think there's good content there. It, I keep putting a lot of effort into it. Um, it's just a lot of fun for me, and people seem to appreciate it. Um, Google likes it, and I think that's a big part of it. Google sends, sends me a lot of traffic. I think if you Google the word ribs, it's the first one up. I think if you Google smoked turkey, it's the first one up. If you Google barbecue brisket, it's, oh, that helps a lot. Yeah, but I mean, it's enough that I can make a living at it. I'm making a decent living. Uh, uh, you know, I gave up my day job, and uh, I do um, barbecue all day long, all night long. I just I, I'm, I'm the American dream, man. It's just amazing. Absolutely. Who wouldn't like to do that? Meathead. All right, hold on a second. You've you've shown your hand. What are we drinking tonight, Meathead? And do we have you sober for oh. at least the next ten minutes? I am drinking a wine called Sirocco. It's from Morocco. It's Syrah from Morocco. And I think the Syrah grape originally came from North Africa. Is, so what's your, uh, what's your wine spectator rating on this uh, wine tonight? Um, I don't know. I opened it a couple of days ago. It's starting to fall apart. Uh-oh. Would you, uh, would you have paired that with a, uh, a rich, beefy dinner when you opened it originally? Did you have to let that breathe for like five, six hours? Yeah, you know, this is not on our agenda for tonight, but uh, can I veer off for just a minute? Sure. I just got done reading Adam uh, Perry Lang's new book, Charred and Scruffed. And there's some, some really interesting new techniques, concepts, stuff that was new to me in there. And one of the techniques that he uh, shows, and I've tried it, and I've done it like four times now, and it's wonderful – he calls it a board dressing. He'll go out and grill a steak or a chicken, um, and um, while it's grilling, he'll put some chopped herbs, handful of chopped herbs, maybe some garlic, maybe a little bell pepper or something, um, really finely minced on a cutting board, and pour you know have six tablespoons of oil on there. Mix it up so that the oil pulls some of the flavor out, and then he'll bring the meat off. And don't worry about resting it to get the juices in. Just start hacking it up into slices, like. I mean, it's perfect for flank steak. Just start slicing up. Let the juices run into this oil and herbs. And then he just rolls them all around, toss them. Very informal. I mean, he's a real macho cook. And the, it's just surprisingly, the herb flavor is not too strong. The oil flavor is bare. But it just puts a layer of unctuousness to it that's really nice. I just try it. Fresh herbs, chop them up, throw some garlic, whatever you want in there. I wrote an article about it on my website. I just published it today. Um, called board dressings, and it's just really cool. It really brings uh, life to steak, lamb, um, chicken, fun stuff. Nobody has any idea what unctuous means, by the way. I mean, we're barbecuers for crying out loud. How dare you use big words on us? All right, so a couple different places that we can start tonight, and we're going to leave uh, Ask Can Chicken for a little bit later. So let's start with Barbecue Pitmasters. Is that recently wrapped up, and it's come and gone when you compare it to season one, you can also compare it to season two, and you wrote extensively on it uh, through Huffington Post, but for the people who didn't get to see it, how do you think season three stacked up, just kind of in, in a general sense? Well, I'll just let's do a very quick overview for those who didn't get to see it, because it was on uh, Destination America, a channel that nobody sees. Um, the, this is a small channel that just, um, uh, it was, I forget what the previous name was, but it, um, it's, it's all by the Discovery Channel's network. 
and um, Destination uh, America. Pardon? Destination America. Right, right. I, it had a previous name. I forget what it oh, was. Oh, yeah, it was a green, any, Discovery Green. Ah, there you go, Discovery Green. Not a very attractive title. No. Um, they did five um, preliminary rounds with three cooks for each round, uh, and then they did a finals. Uh, the winner got 50 grand, winner take all, and the title Kingsford Barbecue Pitmaster Grand Champion and a spot at the Kingsford Invitational, which is in November, and I will be a judge at that. Um, and uh, I, I thought that they really vastly improved some aspect of the show. Um, the producers, and you've had uh, John Marcus on before, they really do listen. And the one thing that I was really upset about last year, aside from the goofiness that went on, is that we never really got to see these guys cook. Yeah. Um, and this year we got to see them cook. We could have seen more, but I'm not going to be too. Compl- I'm not going to complain about it. We got to see, well, that they they inject everything. Uh, well, not everybody did, but uh, there's a lot of injecting going on. Really sweet sauces. Uh, they wrap a lot of things in foil. They use a lot of parquet to get a bar, b- butter flavor. A lot of tricks of the trade. And if anybody is contemplating getting into competition barbecue, they saw a lot of the way competition barbecue cooks cook. All right, so let, um, me, let me ask it, you this question. Let me stop you right there because you mentioned it. Yeah. And I read with knife and fork your posts uh, because I, I find your writing to be very in-depth, but I also like to make sure that I can call you out on stuff to get your reaction after the fact. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about how they're injecting this. Your tenor in some of these, when talking about how they're cooking, seemed to be you were a little put off by the redundance of how they cooked. You could give them lamb mm-hmm. ribs or fish bones or man's <laughs> testicles, and they're going to brine it, they're going to inject it, they're going to rub it, and they're going to cook it at you know 375 with this kind of smoke. There didn't seem to be any type of deviation in method as far as you were concerned, and that didn't seem to sit overly well with you. Well, you know, um, it is a cooking contest. I know it's not MasterChef or whatever those other shows are, but it'd be nice if some of these people had a little more chops. If they could, and last year we saw how um, how lacking in versatility they were when they were handed catfish. Now, you know, snake is something else. But this year they really, you know, they threw softballs at them. They didn't throw anything high and fast inside. Um, I mean, last year they had frogs and snakes and stuff. This year it was ribs and pork shoulders and turkeys and chickens, and it was nothing really out of the ordinary. Um, and they pretty much cook everything the same. And, and, I mean, it's a wonderful way of cooking. I love it. But I, I don't know. I pers- I just love food. I love cooking. I, like, I, what do we start the conversation with? A, a clever new technique by a uh, chef for dressing a steak. Right. I love to see people show creativity. And the create every art form in the world, ballet, painting, uh, orchestra, jazz, really prizes creativity. If barbecue is an art form, if cooking is an art form, they call it the culinary arts, we should prize creativity. And in fact, in all the other culinary arts, creativity is prized. You look at what's hot in the restaurant world today, it's clever new things that people are doing with food, new combinations, new flavors. 
We don't get that in barbecue. And part of it is because of the standards we hold, the judging methodology. I don't know the solution. Um, I thought that one of the nice things they did last season was have Chef Art Smith on, who was a real chef. I mean, he under, he's a Southern boy, so he knew a little bit about barbecue. Unfortunately, he didn't know enough. But um, I don't know what the solution here is. But I, it did, did kind of hurt me. And it also kind of hurt me that they didn't force these guys out of their comfort zone. They did give them turkey, which puzzled a few of them. Um, in the finals, in the, in the last one, the sixth uh, show, they did throw pork cheeks at them. Um, and that really stum- uh, surprised a few of them. Um, but they did pretty much the same old thing with pork cheeks as they do with everything else. Although Melissa uh, Clarkson uh, 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 braised hers. Um, a couple other differences. So I kind of like to see barbecue cooks. I know they're out there after competition money, and they're really working hard on their rubs and their sauces. I'd like to learn, see them learn some new tricks and try some new stuff. Whether the judges will tolerate it, I don't know. I don't think so. That's right. part of the problem. I mean, what if I came to a competition and served Chinese-style char siu ribs? They'd throw me out of my ass. Well, or South Carolina mustard sauce. Which is one of the great American sauces. Yes. That would not go over well for you. No, and, and it's a shame that it wouldn't. Or, or, or an East Carolina um, uh, vinegar sauce, which is wonderful on pulled pork. Um, it's all got to be red sauce. It's all got to be sweet and spicy and hot with a little heat, you know. So there's this flavor profile that I, oh, everybody's struggling after. And I don't know how you break out. I don't, I mean, I, I have a lot of ideas to solve a lot of problems in the world. I can run everybody's business better than my own. But I don't know how you solve this. Now, you mentioned the judges and, and Art Smith um, and, and that you like kind of his palette on the panel. So when you review the judges this year, you had Myron Mixon again. You had Tommy mm-hmm. Stone, uh, who I believe was not a judge last time. Well, obviously wasn't a judge last time. Uh, and, and more of a competition cook than a judge ever. And then uh, mm-hmm. Aaron Franklin as well, who according to John Marcus, is like the second coming of uh, Barbecue Jesus. Uh, he's a savant, and he can you know do all this other stuff. Uh, from my the feedback that I got was everybody still likes Myron. Uh, they like Tuffy, okay, and a lot of people could do without Aaron for one reason or another. And I don't know if because he's part of the NBA contingent that is uh, under the firm impression that nerd – is what's in right now and to look cool or what, uh, which I don't get at all. Um, but for everything that he's achieved, I mean, he was named best barbecue in Texas, which is certainly a feat. Uh, people seem yeah. that they could have uh, taken or leaving him. Well, he's not a big, blousy personality like Myron. Uh, anybody who sits next to Myron is going to be in a shadow. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, getting a word in edgewise with Myron and Tuffy, who've known each other for years. Um, who can poke each other in the ribs with their elbows uh, all the time. He was clearly the outsider, the third man out, uh, but he he does apparently... I've not had the pleasure of going to his restaurant yet, um, but he, Marcus is not the only one. I mean, Bon Appetit, uh, the Texas Monthly, I think it was. I mean, just a ton of magazines rave about his yeah, cooking. Rave. So obviously, that was barbecue. So I didn't have a problem with the judges. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing um, a real chef on the panel, but they, they, they knew they knew their stuff. I think it was a real step forward. By the way, we've heard that it has been renewed for another season. 
So we'll be back. Don't jump ahead. Um, pardon? Stop right there. Oh. Here's my next question. Never has this show in any iteration been picked up for a new season before the current season has ended. But, of yeah. course, that has changed, too, as you just alluded to. My thought is this. Pitmaster has never been chosen by any of the outlets. Uh, they run the season, away it goes. But this time around, Destination America picked it off of the scrap show heap, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, been rejected by some channels. Yes, it got record ratings, and they realized they had a good thing, decided to keep it going prior to the whole series ending outright. Did you see it the same oh, type of way? It's a brand new network, and this was like their debut show, so it is going to break records. I think John said that they got... 360,000 and 400,000 viewers or something in that range. Yeah, but, I mean, if the I show sucked, it, it wouldn't ma- they wouldn't be pulling record rankings, right? I mean, if, if there wasn't intrigue right, or some right. type of goodness about the show, it, it wouldn't be pulling records. It was an interesting show. It was, it was, I think, the best of the three. I think John and the other producers are listening, and I think that, he, that we can look forward to next year being better still. Um, and it is putting a spotlight on barbecue. And um, last year I was pretty tough and pretty critical I have fewer criticisms this year. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed watching it. I learned a lot. I mean, I have my nits to pick. Um, I mean, when the judges are all sitting there watching them cook, they're really not tasting blind. They know who cut the uh, meat into cubes and who sliced it. And, yeah, but you know, how, they, they how can do you see know what's that? going on. You so when they're getting a, a I, tray of food. I don't they have a rough idea uh, what's going on. I'd like to see the judges sequestered while the cooking is going on. I don't want to see them walking out and talking with the cooks while they're cooking. That's not even allowed on the KCBS circuit. Um, I'd like to see better cooks. Um, I, I mean, there are a couple of guys who just didn't belong there. I'd like to see, you know, where are the top ten from the KCBS rankings? Uh, damn few of them were there. I mean, nobody's going to argue with Melissa Cookston. Nobody's going to argue with Johnny Trigg. Um, but, they're, they're, you know, the guy from South Carolina really was over his head. So were a few of the other cooks. Um, I'd like to see uh, this is a, Gray. Now, hold on a second. <laughs> now, this is something that I uh, took a, a little bit of issue with you because you were taught – there's a guy that's a faithful watcher to the show, Randy Hill, who was in the show. And in your article, you called him a schlub. You said that he was over his head. But in actual, here's my point. We're only seeing what the TV people want us to see. So to yes. say that the judges are actually able to see all of this stuff, we don't know that for sure. They might be yeah, a I little bit more. Of it. I don't think I use the word schlub. I can look that up. But It um, was like schlub or well, doofus. I, he did. He did misidentify pork loin as tenderloin. Now, they sound alike, but anybody who knows pork knows that those are two very distinctive cuts of meat. And on multiple occasions, he sat there and said he's going to cook this tenderloin this way and this tenderloin that way. And that, to me, shows either a lack of knowledge or just, you know, stage fright. And he wrote me and said that they told him to call it a tenderloin. Which seems a bit of a stretch to me, but look, you know, me I mean, if they tell you to call it a tenderloin, you say no, it's not a tenderloin. You call tenderloin. He calls this one thing. I say barbecue. You say grilling. No, 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 no. no. Why don't we no, open the doors there, up and just let everybody in? Why are we being such a schnob? No, no, it's not snob. There's 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 a um, a T-bone and a porterhouse, and they look a lot alike, but they're different. There's actually a book that the North American Bar uh, Butchers. 
North American Meat, Meat Cutters Association. They have a guide. Each of these cuts of meat. Pork loin is that big, long, fat muscle that runs along the spine. The tenderloin is an entirely different muscle. It runs in an entirely different location. It's much more tender. It's much different size. They are as different as your um, biceps and triceps. They sound like the same, but they're different. And and, uh, and anybody who knows me should know the difference between a pork tenderloin and pork loin. All right. We can agree to disagree on that. Now, look. Disagreeing? I mean, you want me to get the, the, the There's legal definitions to the names of these muscles. There's legal definition I mean, yeah. to barbecue and grilling, too, by the way, but you want to open up the door to everybody. And he's got St. Louis cut in A St. Louis cut is not a baby bag. A tenderloin is a loin. All right. It's not. Fine. You win, I mean, but I'm right. Opinion. It's fact. All right. I'm just saying that, you know, if we want to bring more people into the fold, maybe we need to relax a little bit and not be so uh, stringent. You go- if you're going down to your grocery store and you want to cook a tenderloin because you saw this guy cook it on TV and you say, give me a tenderloin, and they give you a two-pound skinny little tiny muscle and you got 20 people to serve, it's not going to cut it. A but- pork loin is about 12 or 14 pounds or maybe know, 10 pounds or something like that. Well, Candy. all right. Hey, uh, look, I was the one that wants to bring knowledgeable people into the fold. I'm just making sure we're both on the same page here. All right. I just also want to make sure that people understand their meat so they order the right food and they're not disappointed. All right, Meathead, hang out just for uh, three minutes here while I uh, talk about Stephen DeFranco. By the way, John Marcus just got a watch from Stephen DeFranco, and he absolutely loves Hint. So uh, go ahead and uh, refill with the Morocco Sirocco Syrah. And uh, I will be right back to you here, and we'll talk about Ask Can Chicken and the looking ain't cooking here in just a few seconds. But look, Hank, let me uh, quickly talk to you about Stephen DeFranco. He is the uh, jeweler to the barbecue stars. As I just mentioned, just pro- I'm sorry, that's the wrong camera. That's me. Just provided a watch or uh, cons- consulted a watch purchase from the award-winning, Emmy award-winning producer John Marcus of the Barbecue Pitmaster Show. So look, we've talked about it for weeks and weeks to come, right? Here's the bottom line. As guys, we're not big jewelry people. You know, maybe you wear a chain. Maybe if you're still holding on to some type of hipsterism, you might have an earring in your ear still. Tattoos are very fashionable. I have one. But you don't wear a lot of jewelry as a man. So look, maybe you want to spruce up. Maybe you want to have kind of a nice piece Meat cuffs. Maybe you want to have a nice piece of jewelry in case you're going to be going out on the town or you're going to be going to a wedding reception, wherever you want to class it up a little bit. Hey, now we know somebody in the industry, Stephen DeFranco of StephenDeFranco.com. He sells uh, Bolivar watches. He sells uh, Accutron, which is a Bolivar but the higher line. He's got the Citizen, the Eco Drives. Also, if like some people are watch guys. That's their thing, watches. And they happen to be barbecue guys as well. And they like these cottage watchmakers. We got one right here in Cleveland, and Stephen DeFranco hooked up all over the place with this guy. They're all personally made, handcrafted. They are tracked with precision numbers. Once it's out to you, it's like tagging a dolphin out in the sea. 
It's always going to be found. So here's what you want to do to get the deals. You go to stephendefranco.com. You peruse the inventory. And then once you find something you like, whether it be a chain or a watch or whatever, you call in and ask for Steve. He's the owner. 440-943-2700. 440-943-2700. And you tell him you're a barbecue brother or a sister, and he will give you a super discount. And as always, he will ship it to you for free. If it's a watch, you get the batteries for life. He'll uh, polish it. He'll engrave it if it's going to a gift to a husband, a wife, same-sex lover, whatever you got. But he's going to give you that discount, finally. Look, I'd like to have a watch. It's the only thing that I can claim is my bling piece. And I saved huge money on it because I know somebody in the industry. You can, too. StephenDeFranco.com. Uh, 440-943-2700. 440-943-2700. StephenDeFranco.com. Uh, our friend in the jewelry business. Hook yourself up. John Marcus did, I did, a number of other people have. You should, too. We'll be back with more Meathead right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, uh, we are back coming up on 20 till the top of the hour, 37 minutes past. And uh, we're talking with Meathead, who is, as I say, feverishly going through his um, cut of beef books to really show me uh, that I'm showing my ass or whatever. What do you got? Nam- this is the North Meat Buyer's Amer- Guide by Nam- North American Meat Processors Buyer's Guide. It's about 80, 90 bucks. You can get it on Amazon. And it has definitions of every cut of meat. And now let me actually, I, I thought uh, during the break of how to clarify this. The pork loin is essentially the ribeye. It's actually the eye of the ribeye, the very one, the, the longissimus dorsi, that long, fat tube that runs along the back. When they talk about eating high off the hog, that's the cut of meat they're talking about. That's the loin. And the, the, the meat is about three inches wide, and there's very little fat inside. There's a fat cap on it. Everybody knows this meat. It's wonderful, very tender, very lean. The tenderloin is more like the filet mignon or the tenderloin on the beef. Right. Think about how different the ribeye is from the tenderloin on a beef. They just don't call it the, tender, the, the ribeye on a hog. It's not called the ribeye, but it is. It's the same thing as the ribeye on a hog. And so there's a difference between a tenderloin and a ribeye on a cow. There's a difference between loin and a tenderloin on the hog, and that's the difference. Just for a point of reference, Meathead, it's uh, latissimus dorsi, if we're talking about uh, anatomy and physiology. I'll it's let it... longissimus, L-O-N-G, long, L-O-N, longissimus dorsi. It's surrounded by the spinalis dorsi, um, and don't get into muscles with it. Oh, yeah? Look at this. Huge, big muscle right wow. here. Yeah. Oh, that's the last. No, longissimus. You see, you've got your muscles moving. That, oh, your last, that's my bicep. Now, I'm flexing my bicep, meathead. Is the ribeye muscle. No, it's not. Longissimus well, is actually. On, on humans, it's called latissimus. <laughs> that's why they call it a lat. I, 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 wait, see, this is my point. I think cooks ought to know their cuts of meat. Who it's cares about muscles, meathead? Let's move on. We have a lot of stuff to get to. We're talking about stuff that nobody cares about. We're just satisfying our own selves, which is fine. That's why I like having okay. you on. Let's talk about a couple mythologies. 
and uh, you have either probably debunked these or, or whatever the case is. But, you know, one of the things I have noticed, and I blame Stephen Reichlin, is uh, ass can chicken. This guy would have his $3,800 barbecue you out in, uh, what the hell was that, uh, in White Sulphur Springs. Um, yeah. The name of that place. Now he's out in, like, Colorado or Arizona doing the same thing under a different name. You spent all this money to learn how to stick a beer can up a chicken's ass, and now you're grill master number one. However, you have looked into this even further, which I think, you know, ass can chicken is highly overrated. But there's something else even more far-reaching that you actually took underneath your wings and, and did some study on. What can you tell us? Well, well, let, let's let's start by saying that roast chicken is one of the great wonders of the world. Oh, I mean, fabulous. I just absolutely love a perfectly cooked roast chicken. You haven't overcooked it. It's so tender, juicy, crispy, crackly skin. Oh, yes. Beer can chicken is a form of roast chicken. Um, it does one thing right. It gets it upright so that the skin browns all over. Yeah. If you put a chicken into a roasting pan, the heat does not penetrate down to the bottom, and you often get pale, soggy bottom. Turkey is the same way. So by vertical roasting, it does one thing right. But it does a lot of things wrong, technically. And in order, I, you know, I suspected for a long time that this was a problem. And I went to my partner, Dr. Greg Blonder. People who listen in know that I have a, um, a partnership with a physicist who does research uh, for me. And um, we talked about it, and he did some tests. But when you, before you get down to the, we get down to the science, let's just think about it for a second. If you stick a beer can up the blood of a chicken, all the heat is entering the chicken from the outside. Right. Now, remember, cooking is the process of hot air warming the outer layer of the meat. But it's the outer layer of the meat that warms the inner layer all the way down to the center. It's like a bucket brigade. The heat is passed on from the outside down inside. The hot air does its job to the outside. If you stick a beer can up the butt of the chicken, there's no hot air entering the center. So you're roasting only from the outside. Also, when you cook meat, the outer layers are almost always hotter than the inner layers because meat is mostly water, 75% water on the average, yeah. and water is a fine insulator. So you have, let's say, an ideal temp of 165, which is great for turkey breasts. Um, when the center of the breast is 165, the outer layers are going to be 175 or so, a little overcooked. Yeah. If you put a beer can up there, you've got to get that heat all the way down to the rib cage, down to the cavity. If you don't have the beer can up there, the heat can enter from the inside, and so you're not going to get as much overcooking on the exterior. Right. The other thing that Dr. Blonder did, duh, is he took the top off a beer can, drank some of the beer, as the recipes in Steve Raikland's book recommend. That's his excuse anyhow. Um, and then he stuck it up the chicken's butt and put it on the grill. And when the chicken was done, he took it out and weighed the can. And it weighed exactly the same as it did going in. Yeah, you know That's why? Because it's why? not boiling and evaporating. No, of course not, because the chicken is going to 165. Of course. Chicken is a fine insulator, so that beer can is really well insulated. Yeah. So it, the beer, ne in fact, the beer went 
right along with the chicken meat up to 165. And of course, as you know, water boils at one set at 212. 212 right? Alcohol boils at 170. There's there is some evaporation, but we're talking about very little. Now, if there's evaporation, where's it going to go? Can is all the way up the butt. It's blocking the walls of the cavity. There's just a little gap at the top in the cavity. So if there's any evaporation, it could only enter the meat through the walls of the cavity to the very top. Yeah. There's no way it's getting all the way down by the, the drumsticks and uh, the thighs. Uh, the other thing is the flavor. I contacted uh, a beer analysis lab, a guy named Bruselin, that laboratory manager of um, a place called Analysis Lab, and we talked about just how much flavor is in a, a can of a 12-ounce can of beer, and it's under one teaspoon of molecules that actually create flavor. And they're heavy. They don't come out as easily. Um, so there's just no way moisture is coming out. There's no way flavor is coming out. Or at, there's no way it's entering the meat. And what it's doing is it's blocking the heat from getting to the inside. Um, and so my point being, it's a fine way to cook chicken. But I can name five or six ways better to cook a chicken. And, if, I mean, if you go to something like spatchcocking, cutting Ooh. them in half, or cutting them into quarters, you can actually brown both sides of the chicken. You can brown the cavity. And brown is this wonderful flavor. That's what we always love is brown meat. Right. So, you know, in my book, it's a, it's a bad And it's dangerous. And you can really burn the snot out of yourself with that hot beer can trying to get it out from under the cat sticks. And the other thing is I contacted Anheuser-Busch. I can't t- contact Anheuser-Busch about what's in the lining and the ink on the can. And they wouldn't get back to me with specifics. Um, but they did say, while well, many people swear by these methods, and apparently they, they produce delicious results, it's not one we, of course, recommend, uh, since we don't design our can for this purpose. Right. Absolutely. So, right. Potentially, I mean, the plastic lining on the can doing something weird. All right, Meathead, uh, so, the, the audio is breaking up just a little bit, so I'm going to hang up on you. I'm going to call you right back, and then we're going to talk about uh, piercing and pigtail turners and all that other stuff. Horrific time with the uh, audio tonight. Here he comes. He's coming back. There he is, Meathead again. Am I back? Yes. Um, so moving on, uh, so we both agree that, you know. <laughs> Patio Daddio is the best. Yeah, right? He so, said Budweiser Inc. is made in China. <laughs> yeah, and there's lead in that ink for sure if it's coming from China. So yeah, it's the best. It, it doesn't hurt to use pigtail turners, forks, and thermometers. Uh, the meat is not a balloon, will not drain dry. This is yeah. like one of the biggest things let's, ever let's, is they tell you not to pierce the skin right. of a meat. Hey, don't pierce the meat. Don't use a stick in and thumb out. All right, let's do the math. Let's say you have a 12-ounce steak. That's oh. a nice steak, huh? Yeah. It's 75% water. That means it's eight, nine ounces of water. How's my math here? Nine ounces of water. Um, if you stick a thermometer in it or use a fork to turn it or a pigtail to turn it, how much liquid actually comes out? A few drops. 
You know, maybe a, a shot glass, an ounce. I mean, if there's nine ounces of water in here, that steak can stand to lose a half an ounce of water without drying out. So it's not the end of the world. It's not a balloon. You're not going to poke a hole in it, and it's not going to come all gushing out, and you're going to ruin your meal. I mean, it, yeah, if you really want to preserve all your fluids, then sure, use tongs. I use tongs. But if you've got to poke it with a thermometer or turn it with a fork, it's not the end of the world. And I would obviously suggest if you're cooking anything other than steak, which you could probably get away from a feel if you've cooked it enough and it's the same size steak and you know what you're doing, you know, chicken, I'm going to poke every time no matter how good I think I am. I want to make sure that I'm safe and I'm at that, you know, 165. You bet. Absolutely. You bet. And, and as you know, there is a huge difference between 165 and 175 on a chicken breast. Um, and if you take that chicken and you cut it into quarters and you start it on the indirect side, you put some wood over on the hot side, and you get some smoke flavor circulating, and you get that chicken brown on all sides, and then when it hits about 155 or so, you move it over to the hot side, skin side down, and you crisp that skin and brown it even some more. And you pull it at 160 to 165 and let it come up to 165 or 170 at the most, you're going to have one fine piece of chicken. Absolutely. And if you take it much higher... You're not, and that's why a thermometer is the single most important tool a barbecue cook can have. Agreed. A good thermometer, a digital thermometer. Yeah. Buy a thermopen for crying out loud. Spend the eighty bucks, get the best on the market, and then you know you're just done with it. Cry once, well, you buy the best, you only cry once. All right, the last thing save you seventy, eighty bucks in embarrassment and bad food. Yeah, and lawsuits too. Of course. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. You don't want anybody getting sick. So last thing here, we got about uh, two and a half minutes, is the... Let's save it. Here. Are you sure? Yeah, let's save it for another night. Uh, there's, there's more time. That, that's a big topic. We'll do it another night. I wanted to jump back to talk about the, the grill bristle story. Yes, go ahead. Um, I, I asked people, I posted the story to Facebook and Twitter and a couple other places, and um, I asked people um, how they clean their grills. Yeah. And I got a lot of really interesting new tools that I'm going to study. I'm going to get some samples of them and play with. Um, but the one you cited, the one that looks like um, uh, steel wool, but it's yeah. stainless steel wool, is is a really good alternative. Um, but um, uh, it turns out that this was more than one guy. I had several people come on to my Facebook page and others say they had to have surgery because of a uh, bristle that got stuck in their throat. Um, and it seems like it gets stuck. And, and I, a lot of other reports, anecdotal incidents. So I don't know if the CDC and the Journal of Morbidity uh, have tracked this. But, uh, yeah, bristles falling out of cheap grills, um, getting onto food and being ingested. Like on a hamburger. You're not going to always see it on a hamburger because of the bun. Um, uh, but, but are these it, people cleaning their grill while they're actually having food on the grill? I don't, I don't think so. I think what you know most people do is when the grill is hot, they run that bristle brush over it, and a bristle might fall off and stick to the side, um, stick to the top, and they don't notice it. They put the food on it. It gets stuck to the food. I don't know precisely how it happens. People are lazy. People are lazy, and they're not looking. That's the bottom well, line. I, I think if you're going to use a bristle brush, it makes sense to, after you scrub it down, either v- visually inspect to make sure, or, or just run a, uh, t- a, a paper towel full of oil over the surface, and you should be okay. Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated, just like Stephen Reichland says. Absolutely. He, he, 
did get that part right. That's if you right. got the beer handshake wrong, you got that part right. Meathead Goldwyn appears here monthly. You can visit his highly trafficked website, the most highly trafficked website, amazingribs.com. Uh, next month for sure, it will be the myth of looking ain't cooking. So we'll have a lot of time to do that, plus other stuff that we, uh, we dream up. because Dr. Blonder's got some good research on that. All right. Greg, it's always fun talking to the uh, Cleveland Cavalier Barbecue. And uh, I look forward to my monthly visits. It is my pleasure, Meathead. Thanks for doing it. There he is. Meathead. Amazingribs.com is the website. Uh, so check it out. Everybody else does. Everybody else does. Huge website. And I appreciate the fact that he didn't just rush me off there. By rush off, I mean uh, just glance over the subject. We need to take our time on subjects. we got differing opinions sometimes. We need to air those out. Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. Yeah, that's that's Stephen Reichland saying it on the show, Don. That's him. That was live when I interviewed him. Now, look, as many of you know, we've talked about it a couple uh, times here on the show, I've gotten my mitts on a pellet cooker. And first thing I thought of was barbecuers delight wood pellets for my source. Why? They're just widely considered to be the pellet resource for pellet-fired cookers. That's right. Whether on the competition trail or in your backyard, folks choose barbecuers delight wood pellets more than any other brand for their superior quality and flavor. And you should give them a try as well, and you can find them at bbqrsdelight.com. Now, maybe you don't have a pellet cooker. No problem. You can still take advantage of the pellet revolution on your gas grill or your charcoal grill or smoker by grabbing the cast iron pot option. Buy yourself a nice sampler pack of pellets. You load one-third cup onto the pot and then place it in your cooker or grill. Let that sweet succulent smoke take care of the rest. Now, since pellets are processed from, uh, from sawdust by pressure, which generates heat, any contaminants present in the wood are eliminated. This process produces a sterile smoking wood product of consistent quality. Pellets are easy to use since you don't have to soak them in water prior to use. It's easy to blend wood flavors. You can produce consistent results each and every time with the use of barbecues like wood pellets. And you can change up that flavor profile 27 different ways. I think they got like 21 different flavors to choose from. All the way to sassafras if you're looking for sassafras or herb savory herb. You can use that on smoking a meatloaf. Here's the bottom line. Do yourself a favor. Go grab some Barbecuers Delight wood pellets right now. Visit them at bbqrsdelight.com and check out all the flavors that they have and stop fussing with the sticks and the chunks. Barbecuers Delight, the choice of competition cooks and backyard hacks like me. Barbecuers Delight, bbqrsdelight.com. We'll come back and wrap the show. 877-448-0433, Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we're back. Four minutes till. Look here, patio. Uh, smart ass. What does it say? Um, uh, the pellet smoke seals in the juices. Sir, I don't recall reading that. 
I might have told you about how when pellets are made, the contaminants are taken out of because of the pressure and heat. I didn't say anything about smoke sealing in succulent juices. I did say that the sweet succulent smoke take care of the rest, though. I did say that. All right. Look, Meathead is a muscle maniac. I'm not going to sit here and argue with the fact, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say this. If you're going to sit there and you're going to chastise Randy Hill if he was mistelling what, whatever the hell it was, I don't even get the channel for crying out loud. If that's if that's what we're grabbing at, we got bigger issues, and we didn't get into why you know the top ten, top fifteen of the KCBS aren't there. I think we can all agree on why they aren't there. Some of them don't want to do it. The majority of them probably don't have any personality to get on the TV. They cook really good. They would suck in front of the television. That's the problem with a barbecue competition on television. Got to have somebody that can do the television part. And if you can cook your ass off and you're as boring as a stick, or a stick would be more exciting than you. <laughs> TV people kind of have a problem with that. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. First segment. Second segment. Rod Gray, Pellet Envy. PelletEnvy.com. That's the website. You can follow him on Twitter at Pellet Envy. Well, sure, they don't have audition tapes either. If you don't have any personality, it doesn't matter if you don't have audition tape. You're not going to get on there to television. You're still fighting. Rod Gray, PelletEnvy.com. Uh, check him out. If you're looking uh, for his classes, they're very popular. I think they're like 500 bucks or whatever. Get the whole process from Rod. We had a number of subjects to include uh, not figuring out why Guy Fieri is, well, he said Guy Fieri is a promo drop. I'll deal with that. Then in the second hour, we had our man, Meathead. Amazingribs.com is the website. And check it out. It's the most heavily trafficked barbecue website on the face of the earth. So if you're looking for information on that or you want to refer somebody there, they've probably already seen it once or twice or if they've heard about it, send them on over to Meathead's Way, and uh, we'll see him back next month. Two things before I let you go. Rusty grill grates. Don't do it. If you have raw cast iron, treat them each and every time with some Pam or some Crisco. Let it bake in after each and every use. Service-free, rust-free years to come. September 11, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.